new sound system is much more sensitive. <laughs> I like it. It's an honor to be asked to share God's word here anytime. We are blessed with such wonderful preaching here, and um, it's uh, there are so many good speakers. And um, again, I'm just honored to be asked and grateful to have an opportunity to share God's word. I'm going to talk about the power of our our speech what we say. The, the Bible talks about it, the power of life and death in the tongue. And uh, what I hope to accomplish as I share some thoughts is that, uh, well, I know I'm speaking to the choir. I know that it's not a new message. It's not a new word. But I would hope that it would be an encouragement to all of us to reflect on how powerful our words really are and what we can do with the tongue, and especially as we speak God's word. And um, if anyone has not considered lately the, the power of what you say, I pray that it will uh, speak to you today. There is a, a purpose in sermons or messages. Mark Twain, who is one of my favorite people I like to read, he wrote a lot besides books. He, uh, he commented one time that he had been to a lot of church services and heard a lot of sermons. And he said, there was never a one that didn't, me, didn't do me any good, but there were some near misses. And the, the idea of what the sermon is for is uh, difficult for the younger people. When I was preaching previously in, in other churches, there were a couple of times that kids made cute comments. Like here today, we always had a prayer over the preacher before the sermon. And one time after we had that prayer, a child spoke out very loudly saying, Mom, are we done now? <laughs> Another time a child said, uh, thinking about the fact that the offering was going to be taken after the sermon, said to his mom, why don't we pay the guy and go home now? But life and death in the tongue, one of the passages I like a great deal about that is Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 20. And it's as follows. I am com commanding you, what I command you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so you would have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it? and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you will have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. 
so that you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. I, in my younger life, was not convinced of this word. I found myself in a hospital in Germany during uh, a two-year time that I was spending in Chad, Africa, working with farmers to help them increase their farming and improve their farming. And we'd been told to boil all the water that we drank. And I did for a year. And then after a year, I quit <laughs> boiling the water and got sick immediately. Very, very sick. Had to go to a hospital, as I said, in Germany. I was sitting around. I bored out of my mind in that hospital for a while. And there happened to be a copy of Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking in that particular hospital room. And you may be familiar with it or have heard of it. It's sold millions of copies. I have an old tattered copy that I got way back then, which was in 1972. And it struck me so deeply that I knew that life would never be the same. Because in that particular book, everything is always around God's word and coming back to believing in Jesus and being positive. But I realized that my thoughts were entirely negative. And while I was doing some good in life, I had... I had read Matthew 25, which had inspired me to go to Africa for two years to try to help starving people have more food by raising better crops and more crops. And I had, I had uh, been, I was raised in a Bible-believing family, and, and we went to church all the time. And, but I had not given Jesus my life yet at that point. And so that book really affected me. And I resolved at that point to, to embrace the uh, positive thinking and optimism for the rest of my life. And I still do, and it's still a process. But 
Norman Vincent Peale came under criticism for a lot of things. And one of the main things he came into criti under criticism for was that people accused him of just saying, well, everything's fine, everything's wonderful, seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. But that was not what he taught. He taught the idea of optimism that and a genuine optimist recognizes that there's plenty of reason to frown, but they choose to smile. There are problems in the world, but we don't stick with the problem. Positive thinker, an optimist, in the words of Norman Vincent Peale, would be someone who would believe Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or Ephesians 3.20, God at work in you is able to accomplish more than you can imagine or even think about or talk about. That was his notion, or as someone else expressed it, the uh, positive thinker's creed that goes like this. When faced with a mountain, I will not quit. I will keep on striving until I climb over, find a pass through tunnel underneath or stay and turn my mountain into a gold mine with God's help. And that's the idea of optimism and positive thinking, which, again, I don't, don't imagine that it's new to this tribe. And as I say, you, you hear, we hear good messages every Sunday, and I, I don't guess that this is necessarily new, but as I said, I'm, I'm hoping and praying that it's an encouragement today. I came by a level of optimism and positive thinking uh, way back uh, under my father's guidance. He had plenty of faults, as I do, but he was a tough man. He was in his early 20s in the 1930s, and he was a farmer in North Dakota, and people were leaving the farms, they were going broke, they were going hungry, they were just giving up. He instead, and I, he never said much about how he did it, but he was able to borrow money and buy up the farms around as people were leaving. and. Um, kind of like the prayer of Jabez that you may be familiar with, oh, Lord, enlarge my property, uh, enlarge my borders. That's what he believed. And not, not too much time took place, and he was able to pay it off and, and work hard the rest of his life. And um, One of the things that as I got older, I realized that we can tell about a person's view by what they don't talk about. He never complained about the weather, and the weather is horrible in North Dakota, in the winter especially. He didn't complain about crop failure. There were crop failures that happened every now and then, and he, he like Joseph in Egypt, he had a way of, uh, he had different sidelines. He would, uh, well, we had cattle, we had sheep, we had hogs, we had horses, we had chickens, 
and farmland. And when the farmland went bust that year, there were always uh, livestock and, and that sort of thing. And, and like Joseph in Egypt, when the years were good, he stored up. I remember one year there was a horrible prairie fire. I was only second grade. I had no idea what was really going on, but my mother came to school early to pick us up from our one-room country school, and there was a wall of fire coming over the hill. It was as high as this building, and we quickly got in the car and dashed away. My father stayed at home to guard the property with his garden hose. And uh, trying to stop a prairie fire that's raging 30 feet tall as it gobbles up the, the land is kind of like uh, trying to stop a tank with a fly swatter. And the fire came to the edge of our property and stopped. Yeah. And my father had always, as I said, built up an excess in the the good years. It happened that he had a lot of extra hay at the time. And he was able to, uh, he sold some, he gave a lot away then because other people had their, their hay all burned up and they didn't have any. That type of thing, he didn't complain about that. And he didn't complain about all sorts of things that were hard. And as I got older, I realized that he just as I say, we had uh, differences and difficulties and on and on, but he just had a, a powerful belief and trust in God and what his relationship with Jesus. He had his prayer time every morning like Jesus. In Mark 135, it tells that Jesus went out every morning early to pray before others got up, and my father did that. He never said anything about it, but I just saw as a child growing up that he did it. And before the work day started, he, he had that very calm prayer. And if anybody ever asked him, he always knew that, that he was going to survive and things were going to be okay. And, but he, he did his part. He, he worked very hard and and that's the other part about the power of life and death in the tongue is it's not only speaking it, but it's living it. And um, my father definitely did live it besides speaking a very positive faith. And having started out as a young farmer completely in debt with no assets except the land, he ended up very wealthy. And not to brag because I didn't get any of it. <laughs> he, he died uh, two billion bucks or so to his name. And um, I mentioned I didn't get any of it. Um, even though I had, I'm not saying this for pity or anything, even though I took care of him in his final months he assured me that I was not going to get the inheritance, and somebody else in the family was, and 
we could pass judgment on that. It's, it's long gone. It's over. And um, there were, I have nine siblings, and about half of the family decided it was not okay. And uh, lawsuits began. And uh, I told everybody to just forget it and don't participate and to be at peace because our parents were both gone now after my father died. And I said, uh, more than anything, they would want us to get along and love each other. And the lawsuits came to nothing, and lifelong bitterness uh, is still there among some of my siblings. The life and death in the power of the tongue, Scripture is clear about not initiating lawsuits against others. And um, Scripture specifically talks about not initiating lawsuits among the faithful, but even more so, I would say, to members of your own family because it went nowhere and it just caused harm. Again, an example of, of the power of life and death in the tongue. We are to speak words of faith and encouragement and peace and the, fruit, the various fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. When my wife Arlene and I got married, we resolved that that would be the hallmark of our marriage. We chose Colossians 3, 12 to 17 as uh, not only for our wedding celebration, but our lives. It, I'm paraphrasing, but it, it has to do with singing songs of praise to God continually, and uh, almost, oh, 98, 95% of the time, that's what we have on in our home. We have scriptures right there on the wall to remind us of things like Proverbs 15.1, which says a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> Not that that's ever needed, but. <laughs> no, we're not perfect. That's a work in progress, but. Uh, yeah, Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wet wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The power of the tongue and uh, Philippians 2, 3, we have up there on the wall. It's, it's about thinking more highly of the other person than yourself. And I try to do that. First um, Peter 2, 17 talks about honoring and respecting others. And certainly we try to do that. And I think about the power of the of life and death in the tongue when I think about uh, this, this fellowship and this school. I, from the very beginning when I became acquainted with this school and uh, this fellowship, there really is a good spirit of uh, being aware of the power of life and death in the tongue and and there is such a, a positive spirit among us. As I said, one of the, 
the main things that people speak sometimes is by what they do not talk about. And one of the examples of that um, in, uh, in the, the, the staff that teaches here, of which I've always been so proud to be a member and honored, uh, have always admired the other teachers here so very much and still do. And um, one of the ways that I see the power of life and death in what we speak here is by what we don't speak. I, I, I literally can tell you there is no gossip among us. And as someone said, my name has to be safe in your mouth uh, as a Christian. And we have that here. We pray together. We, we share when there's a need. But um, it's a great thing. And we declare every, every day things like in prayer that this is a disease-free place, that disease and germs are not welcome here. And I don't even know about the rest of the school, but uh, this past week when some schools have some pretty high rates of absenteeism around the valley, I hear, my class, anyway, had a good record. There was only one student missing one day out of uh, 11 students the whole past week. So I'd say that our prayers are working pretty well, and the students always pray, too. The students understand as well that when we declare the place to be free of disease and germs, they believe that it's going to happen, and it does. And By the way, we continue to pray for a miracle for Mrs. Swanson, and I have no reason to doubt that it'll happen. We, uh, we love her and continue to pray for a, a miracle on her behalf. It's, uh, you could say it's the, the Red Sea moment for her, but God specializes in last moment, last minute type things. The, there's uh, just a whole lot of places where it talks about the, the importance and the power of our word and the power of how we use it. One of the, w the many ways is how we pray for the sick here and Yesterday, I, I could hardly stop coughing, I will tell you. I had prayer when I got here this morning, and I, I don't hear me coughing. <laughs> um, praise God. There is, there is power in our shared prayer. There is power in declaring what we declare. I, I don't even... When I get symptoms of a cold, I don't even call it that. I call it a warm. I, I don't honor it by even calling it a cold. And um, as, where's Jade? Stand up. Let everybody see the back of your shirt. God is on the move for you. Yeah. God is at work in our midst. He, is, he does honor his word. When we speak his word, when we speak life, and it's 
it's spoken so well around here. I had not heard Midge speak. I was so impressed with what she shared last week. The, the idea of your calling and your assignment, that was very powerful. Matt, uh, two weeks ago, and I finally did get his book. It's a great book. I would uh, put in a plug for it as well. Uh, great word about how we are who God says we are. And that's what we should say about ourselves. Because we definitely are who God says we are. Several more scriptures in closing that I want to share. Isaiah 48, 17 to 19 is a beautiful one about the power of the word. God says, if you listen to my commands, your success, your prosperity will flow along like a flooding river and like the waves of the ocean. You've been to the ocean lately, there's no stopping it. It's just going and going and going. Genesis uh, 26, 24. I am the God of your father Abraham. I am with you, and I will bless you. And Proverbs 4, 20 to 24 is one of my um, most favorites. That we're reminded to keep the word of God in our hearts and on our lips because it, it gives us health itself. The word itself does because... Jeremiah 1.12, God says that he watches over his word to perform it. And whatever his word says, he makes sure that it will perform what he says it will perform. And finally, the word of God does not come back empty. As Isaiah 55.9 and 10 says that the word of God goes out and it does not come back until it reaches its goal and accomplishes what it was sent to do. And that is, as I said, where I, I conclude. And you can take that to the bank because God said it and I believe it. Amen. And as always, if if you need any help with your words or anything, there are uh, plenty of prayer people here as we conclude, and I know they'll be glad to pray with you for anything you need. And thank you for your attention. It's a pleasure to share with you today. Love you all. So that was a word um, spoke to me. I had a, a moment last week where I... I don't know if I had too much free time on my hands, but I just started sharing some stuff, and I went in a direction, and then afterwards I was like, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. And the Lord bugged me about it before I went to bed, when I got up the next morning, and uh, I called that person, and I said, you know what, forgive me. I was just spilling out, and I, and I didn't mean those, those words or those thoughts towards that person. And the person, oh, yeah, I totally was like, you're forgiven, but... It happens, right? <laughs> it happens. And I would just like, um, Cyril, if you could, just pray over us in, in regards of that. Because I know that, um, you know, the book of James mm -hmm. says that our 
what our tongue can do, yeah. you know. And, and he gives an example of a, of a wildfire and how it just starts with a little match. And, yeah. and that God would give us just a, a guard on our, our heart and our tongue and just kind of a, a blanket prayer if you could do that. Because I know that um, you've walked in this for a long time. Father, your word is life. Jesus, you are the word made flesh. And as we go about our week, help us to be aware that your word speaks life. Your word creates life. You spoke and the world was made. Jesus, on the cross, you said, it is finished. And when you spoke that word, Sin was canceled. Hell was beaten. Mm -hmm. And help us to receive life by sharing your word, by believing your word, and by not believing the word of the enemy. May we not believe the word of the enemy about ourselves or anybody else. Help us to see others as you see us, made in your image. Genesis 127. And um, may our words have their creative power and the power against evil that you place in our tongues, in our minds, in our hearts, through your word, through the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, as your word says, set a guard on our lips. And as uh, Clyde mentioned, May our words, our thoughts, and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight today and always. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> well, that was awesome. Um, I believe there's still a week of school. So if you could put the chairs up. And, uh, yeah, let's just, great words, Cyril. Thank you. Also, a reminder again, on Christmas Day, that Sunday, there will be no church service here. Come on Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, worship and communion. <laughs>